Thank you for standing. You may be seated. How many of you have ever wanted to clap before in church? Raise your hands. Come on. Any of you? All right. Now let's try this right now. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start clapping. One, two, three. Let's go. Okay. That's what it sounds like. It's nothing to really be scared of. Okay. So if like the Lord ever wanted you to clap, like sometimes you hear me clap up here and then everyone looks like, where'd that come from? It's okay. If you ever want to clap, clap. There you go. All right. I guess you didn't want to clap right then. That's fine. But no, seriously, Mike trying to help you out there. But man, some of those songs, just the power of them. And you say, Ryan, I'm not a clapper. That's okay. You don't have to be a clapper. But if you've ever wanted to clap, you have the freedom to clap, please. I want you to know that just full, full freedom. Psalm 23, we started a series last week that I absolutely loved and studying this week. I just couldn't wait to get to this next verse of the good shepherd, the good shepherd, Psalm 23. What a beautiful, beautiful chapter. Uh, This is a Psalm of David. It is really, I would say it's known in and out of Christendom. Uh, It is really most people, if they've ever been to a memorial or they have any form of connection to any religious person, they are very well uh, informed on Psalm 23. But my prayer is that God would teach us something maybe new, not new, but just remind us maybe of something that with such a familiar chapter, familiar verses, easy to check out, easy to start thinking about what you're going to do later this afternoon uh, with these longer daylight times. And it's easy to do that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to stay, to stay engaged. And uh, I am just delighted to uh, be able to bring the word to you. Psalm chapter number 23. We started last week by looking at this well-known and loved psalm and to try to find strength and to find encouragement for these difficulty, difficult and dangerous days that we live in. And we, uh, we just mentioned how uh, Warren Wearsby, who was a very, is a very encouraging person, yet was asked if you could redo your ministry, what would you do differently? And he said, I would encourage God's people more. And that really is my heart and passion behind this series, too, to be an encouragement to you. This psalm is really all about the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Every every line of this psalm is about who he is and what what he does uh, for us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. But we also learned last week that this psalm is also about you. It's about us. It's about collective believers in Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. And every line of this psalm is definitely about who the Lord is, but how he works in our lives to those that belong to him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We also learned that this relationship of the shepherd and his sheep is first and foremost a relationship of ownership, and he owns the flock. So when I say the Lord is my shepherd, what I'm saying is, is that the Lord owns me. And we saw last week how we don't want to be owned by anybody, our society says, and yet the power of being owned by 
the shepherd, by the good shepherd, is an amazing, amazing reality, and you truly can rest in that. But his ownership of the shepherd's ownership of sheep is either through purchase, they've been bought, or they were born into the flock. But Christians are both bought and born. We are bought with a price, therefore we glorify God in our bodies. And we've been born again through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so what will the shepherd, what will he do for his flock? What was this amazing shepherd that we're going to be learning about? What will he do for those that have been bought with a price, with his very own blood, have been born into this flock of God through our salvation? Well, he leads us. He restores us. He protects us. He provides for us. And he loves us. And so those are the next five themes that we're going to go through each week leading up to Easter and even after Easter. And so we're going to see this morning, the good shepherd leads us. Look at verse number two. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. It says, he restores, restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The first blessing of belonging to God, belonging to this good shepherd is that he leads me. David says it twice. David says he leads me beside the still waters. And David says he leads me into paths of righteousness. Now notice that David's, he states this as a fact. This is what the shepherd does. A shepherd leads his flock. And Paul, he puts it a little bit differently in Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so this this leading is a part of the Christian life. It's a part of the, the, the good shepherd. He leads us. But where does he lead us? Well, David gives us some, some understanding here, some clarity. He leads us in rest. And he leads us into righteousness. We see in verse number two this concept of rest. He he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Green pastures provide a grazing for the sheep. But the main point here is not necessarily the feeding portion of it. It's, It's the resting. He makes him lie down in these green pastures. We're going to look later on how we are fed by the shepherd when we get, uh, when we get to come to his table and we get to eat and drink at his table later in this, in this chapter. But I want to emphasize this morning this concept of, of rest. And then David he says here that he leads us beside still waters. See, sheep, um, you probably already know this, they're, they're scared of moving water. And there's a couple different reasons why they're so scared of fast-moving water. Their mouth and their nose is so close to each other that they they struggle to get a a good amount of liquid. But also, if they were to ever stumble and fall in, their heavy coats of fur would just be like a sponge and they would end up drowning because they couldn't get out from under the weight of that water. So they need 
some still water. They need it to be, so what the, the good shepherd would do is that they would, they would dam up a river so that that water would be nice and still, nice and slow moving so that the sheep can drink. So here are two beautiful descriptions of rest. The meadow with lush grass and this pool-like, this, this, this stilled river so that they can drink. But let me just make a few observations about, about rest. Rest does not come easily or naturally to sheep. Because David says here, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. He, he creates, this, creates this place for this rest. He creates this place for me to be able to, to drink safely. He makes me lie down in this, in this green pasture. Now, the reason why it's so difficult for sheep to rest is because they're very, very timid creatures. And they, they, they can't defend themselves really well. And so what a sheep will do, what they do in a flock is they often stand because they're ready. So, you know, it's simply a dog barking can, can scare them and they can scurry off. And so, they're, so since they don't protect themselves really well, they have got to be protected by the shepherd. They, have, they, they remain standing. And so they, the, how can a sheep lie down when they are as vulnerable as they are? Maybe you find it hard in your life to rest. There is a problem that you need to solve. There is an overwhelming challenge that you might feel in your life. Maybe you battle fears in your life and you're, and you're afraid of certain things. Your mind might not be able to rest. Maybe you sit at the edge of your bed or trying to lie down at night and your mind just goes through the catalog of lists of things that, that are just not right maybe in your life. How am I going to get through this? You'll often ask yourself. You need rest, but you might not find it easy in your life. You know you need it, but how do you, how do you get to it? David has clearly been there. It's clear from this psalm that rest did not come easily for David. It wasn't, it wasn't a natural thing for him. And when you think about his life, it's not very surprising. Uh, for the years that he's running from Saul for his very own life, he's running from, from cave to cave. And, you know, you almost have to sleep with one eye open, so to speak, because you never know when they were going to come after him. The years of worry over his divided and dysfunctional family, the sheer weight of responsibility of carrying the shoulder, being, being a king, the, the weight of that. Rest did not come easily or naturally to David. But he says here, the Lord makes me lie down. The shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in these green pastures. And so sheep, it's not natural. It, rest doesn't come natural for them. But sheep rest when they can see their shepherd. They'll only lie down when they feel safe. And they'll only feel safe when they can see the shepherd. So I want you to put yourself in their position. Try to uh, this morning. Allow me to kind of create the scene for you here. You know that they're vulnerable. You know that they don't protect themselves very well. And so there are, there are animals out there. There's potentially coyotes. They, 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 just, they, they don't defend themselves well. So they, they stay on their feet. 
But when you see your shepherd, when they see their shepherd, they know that now I can, I can lie down. My shepherd's going to be the one that's going to protect me. If, if some animal's going to come try to eat me, the shepherd's going to be the one that's going to, to ward it off. And so, shepherd's in view, I can rest. Shepherd's in view, I can, I can lie down. Shepherd's in view, and so the cares of the world can maybe slip away, and so I can find some peace, and I can find some rest looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When our shepherd is in our view, when we are cognizant of who God is and that he is there for us, that we aren't alone, it helps us be able to rest. See, if the shepherd was to leave the field, you'd be on your feet watching for danger and ready to run. But as long as you can see your shepherd, you're able to rest. So David says, my shepherd makes me lie down. And how is that possible? Because even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. So even at its worst, even at, even at its worst, even if I got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear this. Why? Because you are with me. And so when that sheep, when, when they are able to see the shepherd, it brings about a rest for them. They're able to lay down. They're able to, they're able to calm themselves. And so they can rest. And so, so too it is for us. We find rest when we keep the shepherd in view. The shepherd does not give rest to the sheep by, hear me, getting rid of the world of danger. The wolves are still out there. The, 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 the harshness of society is still there. So God does not, First Peter, the entire book of First Peter, God doesn't remove you from harshness. God doesn't remove you from danger. God does not remove you from enemies. God doesn't remove you from the scorn of when you live loud for Jesus, as Peter told us to. God doesn't remove you from maybe um, uh, rulers that are maybe ruling unfairly. No, no, no. God doesn't remove you from any of those. But when your eyes are on the shepherd, when you see the shepherd, when you are aware of him in your life, you can have rest. His presence gives rest. So here's how you address your fears. You say to yourself, I don't face this alone. The shepherd is with me, and my shepherd is the, the Lord Almighty. The way to find rest is to keep the shepherd in view. The psalmist in Psalm 4, verse 8 says, I both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. I can lie down, I can rest. I can have peace in my life. Why? Because you make me lie down. So that's what the good shepherd does for us. Keeping our eyes on the shepherd, our eyes upon Jesus, looking unto Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, keeping our eyes on him, being aware of him. But the shepherd also leads us into righteousness and their paths of righteousness, David says. 
he leads beside still waters, but then he also leads in this fashion. There are times for lying down, and there are times for moving forward. There is more to the Christian life than simply rest. He makes me lie down because I need to rest. But we rest in order that we may have strength to follow him in the right path. It's kind of almost the opposite of the natural world. The natural world is, hey, I'm going to go, and then I get tired and I rest. But in this relationship that we have as being purchased by God, being owned by, by God in, in Christ, what he does is he gives us rest so we can work. Christ is enough, right? We sang about that last week. He gives us the rest. We rest in him and we work from that for what the Lord has given us. It's like, it, it's, a, it's an oxymoron. It's the opposite of what kind of the natural world is like here. And so get a good glimpse of who Jesus is today. Rest in who Jesus is. Find out that you have an awesome, good shepherd that's caring for you. Then go live it. Then go out these doors and this week have the sustenance to be able to live the way that we are supposed to live. Righteous paths. These are paths that we've been called on. Now, there's, there's two different types of righteousness in Scripture. There's the righteousness that Christ gives us and the righteousness to which he calls us. Paul says that he wants to be found in Philippians 3.9 to be found in Christ not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So we become right with God through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That gets imputed. That's the, the theological biblical term. It gets imputed. It gets added to our accounts. And so he lived a life that was perfect. He lived a life that was completely righteous, we have not, we haven't, and we won't, but in God's eyes, if we're in Christ, if we've accepted him as our Savior, we are living in that righteousness. That's what Paul is referring to there. So you'll never need, or all the righteousness you'll ever need is given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. He becomes yours when you become his. It's a beautiful transaction there. It's a marvelous thing to be wholly owned by the Son of God. Don't let this secular culture with, with how, that, how it's defined, man to man, yeah, we shouldn't, but God oh, owns us. It's beautiful. But then he also calls us to, to live a certain way, to live righteously. So there's two different types of righteousness here. There's the righteousness that gets imputed to us, but then there's also right living. And this is the path that this good shepherd leads us in. First Peter 2, 24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, whose by stripes ye are healed. So when the Lord is your shepherd, he's going to lead you. And the paths on which he will lead you will always be paths of righteousness. Clearly, this is what David is talking about here. Paths of righteousness simply means the right paths. So where the shepherd leads you will always be the right path. 
and they're not, hear me, these right paths are not always going to be easy. Verse 5, he's going to take you into the presence of enemies. Verse 4, he's going to lead you through to the shadow of death. But even the good shepherd, he's going to be there with you. He's going he's to lead you. The pastures, they're not always going to be green. The waters in your life, they're not always going to be still. The gospels record when Jesus Christ tells his disciples, let us pass over to the other side. This is God leading, the good shepherds leading the disciples. He said, hey, let's get in this boat. Let's go on to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And do you know what happened while they were on the Sea of Galilee? A massive storm comes raging, and they're literally so afraid for their own lives. Jesus is asleep. He's resting. I like that. Resting in the back of the boat. And they're like, do you even care? I mean, the waves are just beating this ship apart. But I want you to not forget that Jesus said, hey, let's go. Follow me. I'm going to lead you into a storm. I don't know where we think, where we've, where we've adopted this maybe American form of Christianity, where we think that life is supposed to just be this perfect, plush, narrow road with no thorns and thistles, no enemies. No, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a grind. But why did he lead him into that storm? So that these disciples would see his glory. These disciples ultimately would learn to trust him more because they got to the other side. And here's what I know. I can see you right now. And you can see me, which means you made it through another week. I don't mean to be too cavalier with your problems. I've got them too. But we're here. And God gets us through Week after, you know what that's supposed to do for us as a believer? It's supposed to build our confidence in Him because sometimes it's leading, oh, it's not going to remove all the hardships. No, sometimes verse 5 is going to lead you into the way of enemies, verse 4, maybe into the shadow of death. And so sometimes you get led through the waters. Sometimes God doesn't part the Red Sea for you. Sometimes God doesn't still that water so you can have a nice drink. Sometimes he's like, hey, hey, why don't you come with me? We're going to drink while we're in a storm. We're going to drink on how awesome he is to sustain us even in the hardships. I love what it says in Psalm 77, verse 19. This way is in the sea and thy path in the great waters and thy foot steps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What do you think the psalmist is referring to? The Red Sea, right? When God leads them right to the precipice there. There will be times where God leads you to places that seem completely impossible. That's what happened at the Red Sea. This is impossible, God. This group of people is now millions. It's just massive group. And they're coming to the Red Sea here. And now Pharaoh and his armies, they reneged on their agreement. They're now coming after them. And they can see him. God's been leading them by a pillar of fire and in a cloud, in, in a cloud of, 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 uh, during the day. And so God's leading them. And now they're at the Red Sea. And God led him there. 
And sometimes you don't see his footsteps. That's what the psalmist says here. And thy footsteps are not known. Have you ever wondered, God, where are you at in this? The psalmist understood when he was depicting back to the Red Sea. Where, where's, where's God in this? Where are you at? Sometimes God's ways are going to be a mystery to you. But you can be sure of this. When the Lord is your shepherd, when you belong to the Lord, when you have accepted that you've been purchased, that you've been bought with a price, and that you've been born again, into the family of God through Jesus Christ and his blood. When that is your reality, he leads you. And he's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. Sometimes his footprints are unseen. There'll be times when God directs your life through people that he puts inside of your life. It says at the end, thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Can I encourage you to seek the wisdom and counsel of others when you're trying to discern what the right paths are. If there is a man or a woman that's in your life and you would maybe deem them as someone that has some wisdom, maybe they've, maybe they've made some right decisions in certain areas, I implore you, I encourage you, go to that individual and seek counsel from them. This is the situation that I am in. How would you help me? Moses and Aaron were that as well as God. And so sometimes he'll use people in your life to, to show you a certain direction. But a shepherd, they've, they've got two main responsibilities. There's, they've got a lot. But the two main ones are to care for the sheep and to manage the land. See, when the sheep are put into a field of lush grass, they enjoy a feast. The problem is, is they do not know when to stop. And so the shepherd has to keep his eyes on his flock even while they're feasting, even while they're eating, because they will literally eat all the way down and rip up the roots because they don't necessarily know when to stop. And then that whole field, you kind of have to have field management. You've got to, well, that field's now done. And so they've got to be careful. And so what they'll do is while, listen to me, while the sheep are eating, while they are feasting, while they're having a good time, while things are great, what can happen is, is that shepherd can take those sheep to another field. Take those shepherd, you, you take those sheep to a completely different place. Now you may not want to move to a field where the shepherd leads you. But he's going to feed you there. There's going to be times where, where, where you're enjoying life. God, I don't want to move from here. I think of 12 years ago in our life when we were in Pennsylvania working at Faith Baptist Church and I mean, and, and God was just, God was blessing and God's like, nope, I'm going to move you. I mean, it wasn't a bad situation at all. We were still feeding. I'm going to move you to a total different location. I am so glad he did. And don't worry, he's not moving us to another place. Well, God, you can do whatever you want, but you know, I'm, not like, I'm not trying to prepare you for something with that. Don't worry. But sometimes God moves. Sometimes he, God does that. And that's what he said. He's saying, all right, I'm not going it, to, it's not here for you anymore. I'm going to lead you to a different location. I'm going to feed you here. I'm going to sustain you here. That's part of a good shepherd's job. But let me show you a third thing in this text here. 
The good shepherd leads us not only to rest, not only into paths of righteousness, right paths, even if it's a different location that that, that maybe you want to be in, but it is for his name's sake. Look at verse number three again. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, it would be easy to pass over this little phrase. But I want us to see today that this is the most wonderful phrase of all. How can I be sure that the shepherd will lead me? What assurance do I have that he will bring me all the way home? When you come to that dark valley, you might find yourself saying, sometimes I feel like giving up maybe even on myself or on others. How do I know that God will not give up on me? The answer lies in the words, for his name's sake. Why does the good shepherd buy and birth sheep into the flock? The Bible's answer is that God does what he does for his name's sake. Ezekiel 36, 22 says, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake. Isaiah tells us, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions, speaking of the Lord, for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He blots out our transgressions. He remembers not our sins for his own sake. In his early life, the Apostle Paul was among some of the worst of men. He tells us that he was a blasphemer, that he was a violent man. But ultimately, he says, then in my first, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. God picked the worst of people to show how patient he is. That's what Paul's saying. The worst of people to show just how patient he is. God, Paul would say, God did not choose me because I'm something that's lovable. There's something great that's in me. I was a blasphemer and a violent man, Paul would say. Now someone might say, you know, I I I, I don't like this. I like to think that I'm lovable. I like to think that when God, when God shows me, he got something. We're proud about it. Like, this is all what I have to offer. I am lovable. He found something that was lovable in me. And that lends itself to the question, what happens when I'm no longer lovable? How many of you have sinned in the last, mm, let's make it easy, 365 days? Anybody? Anybody honest with that? I appreciate a few of you in here. Okay, let's go back to a thousand days. We'll make it easier. You've sinned in the last thousand days. Everybody? Okay. All right, glad. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. Be holy, for I am holy. So you weren't fully lovable this week. You weren't fully beautiful. I'm not talking about this this week in the sight of God because sin is disgusting to God. How disgusting? He would literally have his son murdered to pay for it. That's how disgusting it is. So how do I know he's going to lead me, Ryan? 
How do I know he's going to be this, be this good shepherd? I, I, I've not done anything to earn it. You're absolutely right. It's because of him. It's his namesake. We're loved and we're led and because of his namesake, the good shepherd has staked his own name. He has staked his own reputation on leading you safely home. And Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and they will never, ever perish. So God knows what he's doing. He's going to lead us ultimately home. He's not lost a single one. So what God is doing in your life is for his name's sake. His grace, his patience, and his faithfulness will be put on display forever through what he will make of you. That is why, my friend, he's never going to give up on you. Because it's his namesake. You don't have to try to turn over some new leaf and live this perfectly way. Now we ought to live in righteous paths, absolutely. The Holy Spirit brings that in our life. But listen, there's not some weight that comes with that. And that if I don't, if I don't do well, then God is no longer going to be my shepherd. No, it's not based on you. It's based on him. Your salvation's not based on you. He bought you. He birthed you into the flock. The strongest assurance you can ever have is that the good shepherd has staked his name on you. Despite your flaws, Paul's like, man, I was the worst. And God, he chose me. He saved me to be a picture of who Christ is. Despite your wanderings, despite the enemies that assault you, the doubts that assail you, you, my friend, if you are a Christian, will arrive home safely. The honor of a shepherd's name hangs on it. It's a marvelous thing to be able to say, the Lord, he's my shepherd and he's going to lead me. He's going to lead me. And by the way, this shepherd, he's going to be providing rest. He's going to be providing leading for all of eternity. Revelation 7 verse 17 says, For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Even in heaven, we're going to be looking to the one. We're going to be looking to Jesus. So can I encourage you this morning? Allow him to lead you. I don't like where he's leading. Follow. He's attached his name to you, and he really, 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 really cares about his name and the testimony of that name. So he's not going to lead you to a place where you can't make it through with his help. There's not going to be a day that you won't be able to make it through this week without, with, with him. There's not, there's not a day that you won't. There's not a situation that you won't be able to, to, to come through because you have the Lord. So look to him. Allow him to lead you. Rest so that you can walk in the paths of righteousness. Every head bowed, every eye closed.